Welcome back to another episode of Soul Coffee. Today's guest is an Ambos Nogales native and Latinx innovator who has invested years, years upon years of understanding the local culture, and she is one of the best that I've seen and appreciated at building relationships and really cultivating this, this aspect of walking with social equity, a third paradigm, third spaces, and a third culture as she embodies service. She embodies philanthropy. She embodies what it means to just be able to help bridge people to a new way of being as coming from Nogales, Mexico and being American grown yet having roots in Mexico. She is she embodies what it means to be a Mexican Mexican American and has really been such a light and such a uh, an example, such a representative, such a delegate, such an ambassador of potentiality and possibility. And she is uh, has been one of my one of my good friends here in uh, in Tucson when I first landed. She was one of the first people I met, and when I heard her first speak on that Zoom call, uh, representing the Tucson Hispanic Chamber, I was like, "Yo, we gotta connect. We gotta connect. I gotta be able to appreciate more of her." But she focuses on building entrepreneurial communities and networks, including events, training, consulting, and research that extends beyond South Arizona. But one of the terms that she really brought awareness to for me is that she helps shape experiences for binational business opportunities with Mexico and the United States, y'all. And when I heard binational business opportunities and being the CEO and founder of Startup Unidos, whose tagline or one of their lines is innovation without borders, y'all. We're going to dive in, but please bring some energy, bring some warm warm claps, some hugs, and all things for Stephanie Renee, Renee Bermudez. <laughs> Welcome to Soul Coffee, says Bienvenida. Muchas gracias, hermanos. Thank you so much. You know, I do remember that Zoom call. You threw your pen at me. That's when I <laughs> knew it was going to be real. <laughs> yeah, that turned up right from the get-go. So right yeah. from the get-go. Yeah. Yo, and one thing that stuff, you know, really embodies and that she does so well. Like, yo, she literally took my hand and brought me into her home, brought me into her space and showed me that the border is literally 45 minutes away from Tucson. And she showed me the literal border, which is something I'm from Connecticut. And that's just something that was so foreign to me. And she taught me that, you know, it wasn't, I think the border is just such a, such a, like, it can be very abstract for people because unless like you see it, it's like, whoa. But when you see it, like seeing, I'll never forget seeing those families, like sit, like having chairs one side of the border and then on the other side of the border was their grandparents and their family and they're just having like lunch together and i think the border for me it just represents or is a physical representation of what people see or what people feel mentally in potentiality and in you being such a potent bridge sis you know why is it important for people to be able to understand even just the concept of what the border can mean not everybody takes the responsibility to care like you did. And uh, not everybody takes the responsibility to show people who show an interest to care about a border experience. The border experience that I offered you is not one that's common. It's not one that you can find on, in Google or <laughs> that you can Airbnb experience. Um, I took you behind the scenes. Mm. You know, there were um, certain... Uh, areas along the border in which we went that are not transient they're not available for those that just drive through Nogales or through any other border community 
So I did it um, intentionally to wrench your heart. And I did that. And it took you a while to process it, the experience, because it's so overloaded. But you experienced uh, our tour uh, from the perspective of an American. And then you stepped into Mexico. And that's when you probably were like, wow, there was a number one testimonial that everybody has to offer me is I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I had no idea it was like this. Mm. Unfortunately, I've gotten feedback um, from some people vulnerably who have shared with me that they imagine the border would be uh, not a secure area, uh, perhaps a barbed wire fence with a lot of border patrol agents keeping Mexicans away from crossing the border, mm. which is far from the reality on what you saw, but the narrative at a national level regarding the border and even the narrative that we haven't taken the reins on regionally, you know, to be a representation of what the borderlands are, mm. because although uh, the, the border is complex, and it is hard to process and explain. It is also a place that breeds um, incredible human beings. Mm. The, the way that we are uh, forced to uh, constantly change and innovate um, just makes us different. And I'm not the only Nogalense that you've met. <laughs> so you know that's true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think uh, I love I love that word nogalense like nogi <laughs> that's another word nogalense nogalense it's so good for me to appreciate because I'm Peruvian I learned a lot of my Spanish with my Puerto Ricans and now understanding and appreciating you know the culture here it's so important to be able for me to be able to support and one thing that I think is massive that you embody in a lot of people coming from Nogales is like, y'all really holding space for two worlds, which is huge. Like that, And I don't think a lot of people understand when you're coming from two worlds, you literally have to create a third paradigm or a new way of being that's, like you, you say the saying, uh, not, from, not from here, not from there. Ni de aquí, ni de allá. Neither from here or there. And that's so powerful because if there, there's like a, uh, I don't want to say an isolation, but like a, an alienation. It's like, you don't know, like there's only a certain percentage of belonging until you come into that belonging of yourself. And in that discovery, you know, what have you really learned about the human experience? Well, I didn't know that about myself. You know, when you're in that situation, um, I didn't know that. It took me uh, leaving Nogales, which in fact, the majority of no, young Nogalenses leave Nogales. There's a a brain drain and a talent, um, you know, talent flight in, mm. in our community and not just our community, um, a, a lot of border communities that I've investigated have uh, similar dilemmas, you know, with losing their, their young talent. Um, I didn't know that, but it, it, when I left Nogales, I, one of the things that I recognized was that I was looking for other Nogalenses, like <laughs> no matter where we went, we find each other. <laughs> we do i'm i 
I don't know if it's like by a frequency or, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like some secret intentionality. But once we discover where we're at, like we uh, create these like third cultures, you know, sub communities of people like us because we think differently. Um, I also knew that uh, I was different when, let's just say, uh, people who are only Mexican or can identify from other parts of Mexico that are not borderlanders were telling me that I wasn't Mexican enough. And when I stepped away from my community, I was also um, recognizing that I didn't align with a lot of like American pop culture because I was living in this like border bubble or border safe space. <laughs> and then, you know, I was reminded that I wasn't American enough. So the, I'm a, we're third culture people, borderlanders. We were a little of this and, and a little of that. You know, we, my first language was uh, Espanol. It was Spanish. Um, and then uh, my prominent language became Spanglish. You know, I, I was a straight up bocha, <laughs> which... I means that I really didn't, um, I hadn't perfected either language, neither English or Spanish, even though Spanish my, was my first language. When I started kindergarten, it was all English, and I was encouraged to only speak English or to perfect my, my English. So um, we started to learn how to code switch really young <laughs> for that reason, because the way that we were... Um, behaving under the age of five at home and the way that we needed to assimilate and learn how to rebehave <laughs> come kindergarten is, you know, a, a part of that identity. And uh, it's unique. And that's why with Startup Unidos, I, I celebrate that. You know, I celebrate the borderlander because we have a lot to offer. We have a lot. We're, we're bridges. We're bridges from the here and there. We're bridges in the conversation of how we should communicate. We're vessels. Mm. Mm. Tell me a little bit deeper. You know, how was that integration process of needing to reassimilate? Because you also brought light to things, and uh, being in being in this space, it's 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 been a lot to learn for me. Like being familiar, getting familiar with the Mexican culture. There's a lot of shame, and some grandparents not teaching their kids or some parents not teaching their kids Spanish or wanting them to learn English. So I think that that's, that's traumatic. How was that for you? And what have you noticed with your people? Uh, it wasn't traumatic for me growing up uh, because it, I think like in border communities, it's accepted that you're, it, mm. you know, a little chopped up, <laughs> right? A little this and that because you're being encouraged by your immigrant family, right, to take on and assimilate a, a new culture and mm. a new language. It wasn't until after I left Nogales that I started being traumatized because I started realizing from other Latinos that my language in Spanish was, it didn't line up with like actual Spanish because <laughs> borderlanders, um, we use a lot of slang and we are also uh, not just... Um, I mean, both of our languages that we use are colonized languages, right? So Spanglish is like this rebel language. And I think that like slang is this rebel language, right? Where we make up our own terms and we also borrow from other influences in the region, like uh, the nations. Like, so for example, like Yaki, like you see 
um, a lot of border Spanish um, actually being yaki, uh, such as the word beachy that we like to use a lot, which uh, translates to nude, but the actual Spanish word is desnudo. But we say beachy, and that's a yaki word, but it's recognized as a, an acceptable Spanish term here in the region. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I love the slang. It's complicated, brother, andale, but pues. I love it. Andale. Yeah, andale. But you have pues. to end it with pues. Andale, pues. Andale, pues. There we go. <laughs> I love it. Something that you said earlier, which I think is, I, I mean, I resonate with as I'm black and Peruvian. And even with my black roots, like, I think 2023 is going to be a big exploration. And, like, you know, where do we really come from? Like, where does my black side really come from? As I understand, there were slaves and different things. And there's a lot of history there of, like, displacement of the roots. And when, when it comes to code switching, I hear chameleon. Like, I needed to be a chameleon in order to be able to find some kind of space to integrate. And, you know, all right, may I, I need to be a little bit more of this or I need to be a little more of this. But... It's been it's been a journey to try to really understand more so of me and how do I identify and how do I find like just my footing and expression because when there's the inability to be a chameleon, then that leads to just feeling alienated or isolated or just so alone or misunderstood. And you know, how did how did you find understanding of yourself at a deeper level? I, code switching is a form of like defense or survival if we don't figure out a way to fit into prominent spaces which are white mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then we don't succeed so and if we mm. shape ourselves to be a little too white well then those in our communities might not like that because we sound more like them and not enough like the rest of us, you know. So that's also a complicated, uh, uh, you know, s space to be. Um, but for me, I mean, I, I learned how to code switch in, in, I mean, as early as kindergarten, you know. Like, uh, I, I even remember um, having cousins when we would visit them in Mexico, like kind of mimic how we would speak English and how would we, we would behave as Americans. Like there is a, a way of using a tone or of being as an American that we learn to be. And I switch back and forth from being Mexican and using a, a, a tone and a way of being and body language mm. and, um, yeah. and, and back and forth. So I am a different Stephanie in Espanol than I am in English. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm code switching for this conversation mm. um, because I code switch uh, into several different shapes throughout the day, you know, according to, to my surroundings. So am I in a room with all people of color or am I in a room where I am the only person of color? You know, so the environment I've learned uh, always helps me dictate how I'm going to behave, the tone I'm going to use, how I'm going to show up, if I will speak, what I can speak about. And society constantly reminds us um, what is acceptable and what isn't. And I push up against a lot of boundaries, a lot. I say the things they should be said, 
and I take the responsibility that others have difficulty taking on. Mm. And now that I'm the uh, CEO of my own organization, where I am not uh, needing to respond to a predecessor that is a government or a university figure and said they are my partners, I can take that responsibility without feeling like there's going to be repercussions. So, Mm. and I take the responsibility because it's a responsibility that I have as a leader. Mm. Mm -hmm. I I think that uh, uh, if I don't do it, if I don't speak up, then who will? And if I'm being hurt at the level, having the privileges that I have, and I'm having these experiences at this level, then what can I expect of those that feel like they don't have a voice? So uh, it's heavy, but I'm the right person for it. Ooh. It's a lot, or it is heavy to be able to uplift people and uplift energy. Yeah, and keep myself uplifting. Mm, first and foremost. What do you think has been one of your biggest strategies in making sure that you are grounded or that you are uplifted before you then help then pour into a lot of eyes that, you know, are watching you and, you know, that are, are one thing that you said is that, um, you know, in being in this space where there's a lot of eyes on you, it's like, you know, you're walking with a lot of dreams. You're carrying a lot of dreams. There's a lot of, lot of dreams. And it's a very, very delicate material, a very delicate fabric for you know, people to to invest in you and put energy into you and for dreams. And, you know, what's been one of your, one of your, your strategies in which you, you navigate with that? I haven't always done the right thing. Uh, but with every moment that I've learned, um, I've gotten better at it. And I take it really seriously now. And, again, now with my own organization, because I am the representation, um, I'm pulling from everything that I've learned from every professional development course, from every book that I've read, um, from every mentor that I have access to. Um, I'm putting so many things to practice in making sure that, uh, that I don't take that lightly, that most dreams end up in the graveyard and especially dreams that come from communities of people of color because if we hear from communities that have access to some services feeling like they're unsupported uh, then what about those that have no idea that there is support out there at all or that they see that their idea could even be valuable enough uh, to become something in in the first place. They are looking for a friend in the process, not a procedure, an application, uh, an event, or something other. They're looking for confidence, for trust. And I like to start there and, 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 and build from that. And... Uh, we get different results, but that's also why I take so much responsibility in like 
uh, calling things out when they need to be said, uh, because in uh, reshaping or laying out like new planks and like developing a bridge, like mm-hmm. somebody's got to say it, somebody's got to do it. And I'm I'm crying right now because it's like hard work, but I'm imploding because it's like I'm also really excited about just like having the opportunity to yes. keep going. And I'm just getting started. Yes. And I'm just getting started. And I'm so excited for it. And I feel so grateful. I feel so grateful for the trust. Mm. Um, Yeah. I feel so grateful for the trust that so many of my community members have given me in allowing me to represent them and to lead in these spaces and to create new pathways for them to just unfold their idea, their their ideas, but also like their identities, because um, we think that things need to be copy and pasted. There is this mm. assumption that in this idea space, things need to be one way, and that like there is a certain process. There's a there's a one two three to creativity, but there is so much more that needs to happen before you. Before you are pointed to the website, you know, at your local municipality that's that's uh, going to um, support you in getting your first permit or, <laughs> or, or you know, or organizing your first business. Like, there's mindset work mm. uh, that that is uh, behind ideation and, um you know, uh, fostering uh, communities and and, and nurturing um, idea making and and people at the idea <laughs> stage. You know, like it's 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 something that I just absolutely love and <sighs> that I'm really good at. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I am. I am really good at that. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, I love you. what you're talking <sighs> on is, is it's the responsibility of being a trailblazer. It's like, and as you're out here blazing these trails or building these bridges, you know, you're, you're, you're being <laughs> massively courageous and being able to just lay that plank and even just in taking a step on that plank and making sure it's sturdy that people can, Oh, it's like third spaces. It's like, they're a space that I, 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 you shared with me. It's like, they're neither work and they're not of home but it's like a space to like enter and it's like every step that you take is a uh, opportunity or it's now a space that people can enter into to then gain their footing so that way they can think a little bit more, they can advance a little bit quicker, they can move a little bit more because they're like, all right, if Steph has done it, like I can do it too. Or you're even in the space with them and you're welcoming them into so that way then they're tapping into your energy and your resources and what you call your social capital, your relationship capital, which is so massive, different from your so your network, because your network gives things available and it's like your network creates the sandbox, but then how you explore deeper with people and their thoughts, their ideas, their connections, whatever it may be. Well, you're taking a deeper application or you're adding like a, a thought construct to the saying where it's like, um, it's not um, what you know, it's who you know. Like you're, you're inviting that so much deeper and you imbibe it so much deeper through your work that you do and the consistency that you brought about for people. Seguro. 
Uh, I had the fortune of developing at the time what was um, downtown Tucson's largest mm. shared workspace. And uh, right now we're at the L offices. That is, you know, the next generation of uh, how people are working and how they connect to their work. And it's just not the same anymore. We mm-hmm. don't need an office. Mm. And even offices post-COVID are realizing that we don't need an office. Mm. <laughs> but instead, but we do need a workspace and we do need community mm. and we do need mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. So I had the fortune of being taken to school uh, when I unfolded uh, Connect Coworking in downtown Tucson, which was at the time the largest shared workspace. And it was at a time where people were coming up and they were trying to figure out how to telecommute, how to be nomadic, how to work from home. You know, this conversation on how people are behaving with uh, traditional spaces like this or that, home or work, um, is not something of today. You know, it's something that's been happening for a very long time. And Mm. um, the shift has uh, been needed, but it's only getting started, right? I think that uh, it's up to us to decide. It's up to a community to decide how they work and how Mm. they live and what appropriate spaces are needed for themselves. So these creative spaces, these innovation spaces, these hybrid spaces, these shared spaces... They're determined by community, and community is all about like-mindedness. So there could be any type of community surrounding any one space where a person is going to feel more human in because it aligns to the stuff that they care about. So it's, it can't just be one shared space and you know one innovation space for one type of person. It's like we have to hold the reins and decide you know, where we're comfortable in this. And it's uncomfortable to be at home all the time. And it's also uncomfortable to be at work all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like a traditional occupation, like it's restless to to have to sit there in the same space in a queue for so long. And uh, yeah, so we just, we got to change it up. So third spaces, um, third culture. I started this... uh, this whole process, thinking that being really inspired by third spaces, by innovation spaces, um, incubation spaces, mm. co-working spaces. And I got to visit over 100 spaces, went to a lot of conferences in three different countries, got to speak about it internationally in Colombia. It was beautiful, but ultimately I realized that what I was in love with was not the space, but the result of the space, mm. the impact of the space. Mm. I was in love with how people could feel with um, f- uh, letting their guard down, bringing mm. the, the barriers down. And I loved that I could facilitate um, and inspire people to be creative and, and to connect. So I realized that when I was developing this space that Um, Some of the magic that was unfolding in the space had nothing to do with the space itself, but instead the experiences that I was offering. Um, The way that I was presenting the space from the initiative, people were were telling me that they fell in love with the space before it was even developed because of the way that I was describing it during our hard hat tour before it was ever even done. 
Um, there were 100 people who had signed up before the space had even been developed. And it taught me a lot. Um, I thought that I was going to be in co-working. But instead, deeply, I was asking for more. And I got more. <laughs> I got a lot more. And now, um, from the experiences that I had, uh, I am all about community. I am all about impact. I am all about la raza, the gente, the people from, from these borderlands. Uh, I'm about the things that ultimately matter. And um, I am about developing bridges uh, into these types of spaces and supporting people at all levels, right? I'm, uh, I am a bridge, but I'm not the only one. Mm. I, I'm not the only bridge. And uh, I want to develop more people to be empowered, to let their guard down and not be afraid to have the answer and to call it like it is. <laughs> because nobody's coming to save us. We have to take on the responsibility to resolve the issues that are pressing to us and are pressed upon us. And uh, mm. real issues are coming, brother. Real, real problems are coming. We saw the situation with COVID and how that affected the border. But climate change is another uh, real serious issue that's coming, that's coming up, uh, upon us. And our relationship with, with Mexico is, is, is critical. And um, I'm encouraging our communities to take on the responsibility of uh, being the solution for what is undoubtedly uh, going to impact us greater than anybody else. I know it sucks to hear it, but it's the truth. And nobody's coming to save us. So I want to, I'm not going to, you know, save every starfish, <laughs> but uh, but I do hear um, my partners in community say that they want to take on a greater responsibility in reaching the communities in which I serve. So I think collectively we can, but there needs to be a greater sense of responsibility. Um, and um, we just gotta, we, we, caught, we gotta call it how it is. And uh, it's, uh, nobody is uh, creating the types of spaces where we can just say it, where we can just be wrong, where we can just be real and raw. From what you've observed, as this is this was massive, and I really just want to take a moment to just acknowledge that that call forward for so many people, so many humans. As I resonate with, you know, no one's coming to save us. And as a doctor, as a healthcare professional, I encourage my people to take it upon themselves the responsibility of what it is to live, to be brave, to be courageous, to face themselves, to face what they've gone through, to face what they've integrated and what they've held within them for so long, whether it be 
uh, trauma in different ways, shapes, and forms, but in taking care of their health and clearing things and creating the space internally, it can empower them to venture out and just be a reflection of things as you've done so much work externally to continue to open things up, open things up and press back about what's being pressed against you and in in creating a dynamic nature which these spaces can create it because in community community is everything we're not supposed to do everything by ourselves we're not supposed to heal by ourselves we we haven't gotten this far because it's been by ourselves but in these spaces where we can do our work together and in the space we can create a garden that's collectively being nourished is being watered is being um, built upon by so many other individuals i think that's beginning to break away from the traditional nine to five or the old paradigm even of this is the only way or this is what needs to be done. So in your work, inviting people to come together and be able to have a, a, a space where they can co-contribute and, and you giving the little ingredients and welcoming the tour of like, you know, building Tucson and downtown Tucson, there's an imperative uh, golden thread that I'm seeing of trust. For sure. And responsibility and intention. So I pride myself that we don't retrofit in the work that we do. We don't copy and paste because if we copy and paste, we're just going to get the same results. Plus, nobody has time to do it, how things have been done in a time where everybody's screaming for things to be done differently. So we don't retrofit. We take the time we are, we've constructed a social equity model, which essentially means that we ask people what they need and then we trust in what they tell us that is needed. And we try that. We give them exactly that and then perfect upon that. Mm. Too often times, people from the outside have the solution for others and, and they don't trust. They, they don't trust that they're, that they're not the right person to come in and solve and, and and there's trouble with listening so responsibility is important and i and i i pride myself that in the work that we do is culturally anchored we we don't Oof. just translate things from english to spanish i celebrate everything that we are and i celebrate the people from the region i put them in the front of everything like i'm not the type of leader that needs to have the answer. I'm always the type of leader that is looking to share and offer opportunities and uh, create um, experiences for people from my community to be able to get stronger. Yes. To get stronger and shape themselves. So I'm just going to continue to do um, what I'm doing because it's powerful and it's important. And not a lot of other people are doing what I'm doing or taking the responsibility in the way that I am. Um, I, I, I walk like a non- nonprofit. I might appear like a nonprofit, but I am completely innovative in the way in which I am innovating on workforce development, on cross-border economic development, on small business development. Um, I'm doing it from the private sector. So it's, uh, it's a conversation that I, I am not ready to completely unfold, but I would say that it is the, the most innovative approach to everything uh, that I'm doing is that 
I am not a, a, a primarily white board saying that there needs to be a diversity. Instead, I extracted conversations from those boards and other groups that hold responsibility or others assume should host the responsibility. And I created something exactly like they said that was needed, that was local, led by somebody that was a digital native, that was a minority, that could be on the ground, and I've, I've, I've supported them. We're one of the only organizations that has led government at the national level, at the state level, and at the local level in reaching people and communities in uh, what otherwise would be uh, completely overlooked uh, spaces, you know? And we're doing it responsibly. Like, we're not just bringing tools that have been translated, but instead we're redesigning and recreating systems and approaches and the way that we, um, everything. <laughs> and it's, it's our branding, it's our, it's, 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 it's todo. It's todo es because todo. it is. It's todo. We're, we are, we are just getting started. We started this work um, in the Ambos Nogales uh, area, but we are, are carrying it um, to other communities, uh, other border communities, and we're not stopping at Arizona. We have our eyes on Southern California, on, mm. on New Mexico, and, uh, and also Texas, which are the four states in our nation um, that, re that represent 50% of all Hispanics. So uh, I'm on a mission to em empower borderlanders um, to just show up and be exactly what we are and to develop spaces that, that, you know, that they feel like that are safe where they could just like let their guard down and, and trust and, uh, and get access to all these tools and people. Mm. <laughs> the future is bright. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You keep speaking. Go ahead, get some water. Go ahead, do whatever you need to. You pass that baton to me, sis. Oh, as as you've shared just so much, as I appreciate what I think the the value in what you're doing as a nonprofit organization, as a space, as a leader, is that there's this dynamic nature to things, like massively dynamic nature to things, and fucking listening. Like you listen, social equity, you ask and you trust what do the people need and because there's a mutual or symbiotic trust they can share with you very vulnerably you know what is it that they need but then you providing the space for them to step into themselves and them giving themselves permission to step into that space that's where i think you experience so much newness and i'm i'm thinking you know of course when this when this goes to healthcare because before before you came in today even just in pre-chat it's a new space for a lot of blacks and a lot of uh, Latinx folk to step into healthcare. Like there's a questioning of like, they don't even like, we, like there's so many fucking conversations I had in grad school is like, there's 1% of chiropractors that are black. I think it's now 3% are now Latinx. It's a space where we don't feel, or there can be these feelings of lack of safety, lack of trust, or that it's not meant for us because there's different aspects to not being able to receive us because we didn't have the image. Uh, I didn't have a black doctor little a black chiropractor growing up. I didn't know that was a thing. No one said that I could be a doctor, let alone someone that can help someone else heal. 
And in what you're doing, I think that there's a there's a benefit as if the system that is healthcare right now, just one, let alone the school system or the media system, what's going on, if there is more connection, if there is more trust, there's more exchange, there's more listening from quote unquote top down or the leaders who don't even need to come from these ivory towers. But if there is people that were listening to the needs of the nurses, of the doctors, of the physicians, let alone you throw some color on this thing. And we didn't have to create all these spaces to begin with, but instead there was more of an exchange, more of a symbiosis, more of an openness. Man, I can only imagine the impact that that would have on healthcare. And what you're doing, sister, is you're helping, really helping create that space and inviting people forward to take more responsibility, to be able to step into themselves. And I love that you said you're not the only bridge, which I love because that disperses the energy, that disperses the responsibility off your shoulders and it, and it empowers people, but they still have to step up and they still have to speak. They still have to take the opportunity to speak in a civil rights kind of way. Like I was just watching the uh, uh, Denzel Washington and Malcolm Malcolm X, the movie that was created in 92 and you know think of some of the nelson mandela uh martin luther king they had to take massive steps of course the spaces didn't create if anything there was not even the spaces weren't created they were opposed they were red taped they were uh, uh, destroyed actively and in the style of what you're doing it's just so refreshing to hear because you're really really putting good context and you're laying good bricks of what I think is a dynamic nature and I think it's a more sustainable way of living and I think it's going to help bridge us all throughout this decade for sure and I step on minds I step on minds like and I'm okay with it like I've had people try to control my speech you know, uh, remove words like privilege from my language mm. because it's made them uncomfortable. Um, plus, 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 plus. So I am only getting a reflection of those who I lead are also going to experience. Like, it's not mm. going to start or end with me. Mm-hmm. But... I'm just going to keep fighting. Like I am feeling more encouraged every day to host the types of spaces where people can cringe and where people can heal. Just say it. Let's just say it. Let's just release this uh, insecurity of not being the right person to say it. Let's uh, release this insecurity that I am directly talking to you when I say it. Mm. let's release this insecurity that you you don't belong in the room like there's so many blocks there's so many barriers that go unspoken that are keeping us from actually growing like actually progressing actually being a change but it's also because we're confined by uh being employees like maybe You know, in the break room, we might be able to have a discussion and feel like, you know, we really want to be a part of a change and we're wishing things are different, um, but we can't because we're uh, uh, dependent on our benefits and a paycheck or something along those lines. So it was important for me to, like, take this stance as my own, as, like, my own organization, taking my own risks in leading in this way while also encouraging others like to 
not just like come out and you know be emotional and like mm. you know and, and mm-hmm. irresponsible but mm-hmm. really allowing them to see that the process is so much easier than that they imagine mm. right that these mm. perceived barriers of opportunity are they're illusions like they're not what we think they're so much more accessible than what we imagine right and to not wait for a space to be right for us to show up. Like, I have heard from others that because there is not a door outside that says, like, people of color not allowed, that therefore those spaces should be seen as inclusive. And that there are so many more factors behind why people of color do not participate um, or get access to resources. But I'm now empowering people of color to recognize that these resources are available to them. They're at an arm's reach. And that if they're not being invited, they need to show up. Right. And I'm pointing out where they need to be. Mm, I love the idea of taking real estate, like taking up space. Build the like, table. I love it. Build it. Mm-hmm. I'll say when it comes to, I love the idea of uh, there's perceived barriers or perceived um, borders of opportunity. Like opportunities. There's, there's so many relationships, conversations. Showing up, that's the one thing I offered to do in grad school. One of my mentors, Dr. Jill Zamar, she said, man, if there's one thing that you do, you know, if you want to be successful, you want to create shift, he's like, show up. So that's one thing I dedicated myself to, showing up. And there'd be so many instances where I got invited to speak on stage or people were grateful that my energy was just there and it encouraged them to do something because, you know, the spaces can be catalysts, but then what happens outside of the spaces, what happens out at home, what happens in, you know, the impact that you're talking about. Like I see, you don't always have to, you don't always get to see the domino effect as a leader, but you don't need to see the domino effect and how it's impacting others' lives because it's then for them when they take the opportunity to show up, which is the really beautiful work. It's like the things that I don't see, like in people showing up differently in their health impacts them differently and that's so important and my question for you is you know what do you think you know from what you've noticed what does it really take for people to remove those barriers so that way then they take more action to show up i mean it's mindset shift right uh, ultimately we all need to quit it like <laughs> we need to stop the stories we need to change the narrative and we intoxicate ourselves amongst our own communities. Like we have this tendency of believing everything that we hear. And uh, Mm. oftentimes like it's to me, what appears to be like the simplest thing, like literally like a Google search and a referral. uh, But we're so caught up in assuming that that's not for us because we saw that that was only attainable by somebody who had a certain level of education or came from Mm. a certain status in their family Mm. or is making a certain level of income or is in a certain type of of, of family structure or we make excuses of Mm. all types for why things are not accessible to us. Mm. But I think it's also a matter of like having a friend, right? That can invite you and introduce you and tell you that these things are okay like that it's okay for you to try that uh that you do the soft introduction in an email that makes it just easier for the person to then dive in you know it's it's being the support system the bridge as i said you know it's it's the breakthrough 
So sometimes when people are like, oh, I really want to help like diverse communities and things like that. Uh, well, one, yeah, listen. Uh, second, uh, don't make it about yourself, right? Because mm-hmm. that has happened a lot where I've been asked to share and then it bites me. Like, just listen and believe what it is and, you know, and then allow people, uh, allow yourself to be a vessel to support people in breaking through that. Like, not taking it, like, yes. personally, but being like, dang, like, that made me feel all kinds of ways. I want to support you because I had no idea. And sorry that you feel that way. Um, I recognize that I have access. So I recognize that I have access. So when I say that, I mean that it's about capital. It's about who you know and who you sit with, who Mm -hmm. you have conversations with, who's in your... um, Rolodex or your, you know, or your cell phone contact list. Like, uh, we are who we know ultimately. So, if you want to help um, a person of color, take the next step. Give them access to your social capital. Um, I think that social capital is greater than any currency. Sure. It's it, it it will carry you further than any dollar. <sighs> My company was built on social capital. It was built on my, on trust, mm-hmm. on relationships, like, and again, it took me recognizing that by continuously uh, being approached by other organizations who were showing interest and value in my network and my contacts. And, uh, and I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm sitting on something really special. I should do something about this. No matter where I go, um, People are always there with me. Mm. So, yeah. So I'm 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 about people. Mm. I love the uh, I love all of that. As a, I feel like I'm in a space of uh, like cr- efforting to create space for myself to pay homage to all of my relationships from Connecticut, from Life University, from here in Tucson. I, f- I love being able to create spaces where we can all celebrate, we can all cry, we can all have fun, we can all journey, we can all, it's like my f- one of my favorite things, I think you'll appreciate this, is like my people meeting my people. Like you meeting Dr. Michael Hollaback the other week and going to Nogales together and Taryn coming down. Shout out to Taryn for Staff Bangs, by the way. <laughs> uh, like y'all being able to meet each other and laugh with each other, it's like two of the most respected people that I know and have been so important in similar capacities. Like he welcomed me to Life University and to Delta Sigma Chi, my fraternity. And, you know, you really welcomed me to Tucson and Nogales and your culture and your world. So it's so sacred. And it's like, as you're speaking too, I love this analogy of the bridge and you being a bridge. But then it's like, once you're being the bridge for people to start to walk on, then it's like they become the bridge and then it's like you become the suspensory system the support system like you're the you're the legs that are coming out of the ocean the depth of the ocean or wherever body of water you're giving them ground to speak on so they can keep building their bridge because you've already existed they can keep venturing more because you got them or and then you're just one but they have their community which is they're all individual 
vibranium level steel strong like suspensory cables that then suspend the bridge so that way it's active and it can stay moving and grooving and even though the wind might come it may move and shift and different things but because there's such a strong uh, bridge based off of the foundation of trust of love a consistency and you know releasing and allowing into that people can continue to build the bridge of their new expression however they want take that so seriously you know people are so passionate and we learned during covid brother that like under pressure we become the most creative give us a chance (laughs) give us a chance like you don't know how to support us you don't know what to do with all your money give us a chance Give us an opportunity to be able to have the answer, uh, to be the solution for things that impact us every single day. And we will grow your economy. We will grow our economy. Like, we need a chance. But the chance isn't coming for us. I just got to remind us that. We got to create it. We got to create these opportunities. And for sure, I'm a support system. For sure. But I'm 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 also a facilitator in like dreams, dude. Like people trust me with the most sensitive stuff. Like, and it usually starts with uh, ideas. Usually come from a place of like a a lot of passion, but usually from wanting to resolve something really traumatic, something that. Uh, came from a place of like being really impacted my dad got diabetes and it impacted my family so therefore I decided to start a nonprofit. therefore my family took the reins to educate ourselves on what was possible and now we're supporting others and recognizing you know what food actually is and how it's impacting my family and your family like stories like that that come like it's not just um not that a, a franchisee is not a great investment and a wonderful business opportunity. It's one also that Hispanic communities take on, but it's so much more about impact, right? It's so much more about wanting to be the change and to push up against the system. But again, we, we cannot count on uh, completely on governments and universities to provide us the resources and uh, that are that are needed in order to be the change and we don't need their permission (laughs) which is something that i really struggled with for a really long time was like i was like waiting to be validated well i'm undoubtable i'm undeniable like i'm doing the work that is needed and i'm the right person to be doing the work and i'm encouraging others just like me to also be empowered to do the work and to embrace the suck in doing the work because we're we're pioneers like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i might be imploding right now with emotions but because it's a it's a big sense of responsibility you know like it's it's uh, i'm overwhelmed with feelings of just feeling like man i really want this yeah you ain't imploding either, sis. That energy is moving through you with your big ass heart. Ah, of course you. you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> tu corazón. Gracias. Sí, claro. And I love the idea of one. Is it, I mean, I love the idea. Like dreams can come from pain. Like they can stem from pain. They can stem from this massive stimulus or impulse of like 
when you're growing up or wherever it may be, it's like you then get inspired to do something so that way others don't have to experience what you experienced. And at the same time, I love the concept of, you know, give us a chance. Like I was saying last year, I'm like, man, I'm like, yo, invest in me. Like, man, if I had like an angel investor or something, I was like, yo, I will change this city so much fucking faster and help it heal so much quicker, help it experience more of its, of its depth. Cause it was like, you know, finding the footing, like just getting here to Tucson, which you didn't know, uh, would you remind me? Uh, but it's like, you know, give me, it was like, if someone gives me a chance. Like I know that I can just like crush it. And that's where Brett came in that I could, he gave me a chance to be able to just come into his space and, you know, taught me the systems, taught me the way of the source. Like he's been teaching me how to just last several years, but I've watched him and how he moves. And it's like, but it, it, it comes with showing up. Because in showing up, you give yourself an invitation to actually shift things. And showing up, you create the space for you to be able to let your application of your expression, of your thoughts, of your creativity to flourish and come out. And whether, But you got to give yourself a chance before others give you a chance. Absolutely. And I think some people, they just have like a, they, ha they have to overcome that threshold that you've spoken on too. They got to overcome that threshold to give them to then take action because the threshold is the border of their current level of experience and current level of the world, current level of their perspective. But when they can break down that perspective, they can break down that border. They can run through it. They can take it down, whatever it may be. Then, then on the other side is newness is expression is connection is love is freedom. There is innovation without borders. <laughs> Right, without physical borders, so I hear mental borders. <laughs> so I hear right. When you reach that space, you could to be free, to feel safe, to have community, to be surrounded by others that are like you, that have the similar lived experiences, mm. that you know that uh, are connected to uh, similar family backgrounds, that uh, truly make you feel like. Like, like a borderlander, like it's okay to be create. You don't have to show up with your AirPods and your screen print t-shirt and, and, you know, and, and, and know the newest of this or that in Palo Alto uh, to, to fit in. Like, this is your space. This is your community. You are already enough. Mm. And you are needed. Mm. Oh, what you're hitting... Lou and I, I forget what episode it was, but we talked about it's like you have everything that you need at this current level to be able to incur success or to progress. Kind of like a Mario, Super Mario Brothers. When you're going through the level, you got everything you need. You just got to be able to give yourself permission to explore all the tubes and to discover and to once more just lower that threshold of inaction so that we can take action. It's like and it's, it's, it's mental, which is why I love innovation without borders because mm. that shit is what is needed for the world physically, mentally, relationship-wise, financially, like, people need it when they, I think when they embody innovation without borders, they'll be able to realize they can bring about change in their lives and then everyone else that's supposed to impact them because we're all interconnected. For sure. And there's a sense of urgency. You know, uh, the world is changing. Mm. We got to wake up. Mm. Yeah, then the concept comes, or I like the sacred sense of urgency because... Then you know how is it changing? Is it moving destructively or is it moving constructively? Constructively, because there's always like this space in between or somewhere in the middle. And I imagine the more people that effort to move into a state of freedom, of liberation, of 
Innovation Without Borders, that it's going to move towards a more constructive space because the powers that be or the this or that, the way that it's always been, has proved that it is moving destructively, if deconstructively, if we don't do something about it. For sure. So we like to say that, you know, we see challenges as opportunities because uh, the narrative in border spaces is one of real challenges, you know, and, and our future will hold uh, serious challenges. But we celebrate solution making, you mm. know, there is, there is enough in what we have to offer. There is... Uh, and, and it's just a matter of like tools. There's a, lo a lot of also um, opportunity for others to learn from the process and from those who are coming into this innovation culture. Um, we should respect, uh, you know, reverse innovation, like how things mm. are already being done in spaces where there hasn't been access to some of the resources that, you know, that we're looking to uh, to provide in some of these communities, to examine how things are already being done. Again, to like never lose sight of remaining curious and to like not show up in spaces feeling like you have the answer. Even myself, I got to check myself. You know, I'm, I'm from the border, but I have to regularly remind myself that I don't have all the answers and that mm. I am there because I have far more to learn than I have to to offer. The spirit of curiosity. Oh. I think if more people will embody that spirit of curiosity, of humility. And it's like the it's like the number one border that prevents us from progressing is thinking that we know it all or thinking that we somehow like we don't need to like keep learning or keep growing. Like the, that somehow we've assimilated enough information that fool us into thinking that we know everything or we know more than the people around us. And I just, I just love the re-invitation to, you know, keep being curious as I think bare minimum, one thing that y'all can do who are listening is how can you remove any barriers within yourself that you've placed that have allowed for less curiosity about yourself in all the ways all the domains of life, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, relationship-wise, vocation, professionally, like, man, if there's any of those barriers, may you take this as an opportunity or a journal prompt to just be able to remove that about yourself and discover, you know, who put those barriers there in the first place or what put those barriers there in the first place and can you remove them and what is life without those barriers and you me moving and feeling unencumbered and all that you're supposed to feel and all that you're supposed to bring about in the world as there's codes and all of the emotion, there's codes and the challenges like Stephanie says. And there's so, there's so much space for opportunity because the opportunity is an adaptation from what was. Good stuff, brother. You got it, Mana. Man, I definitely feel super full complete but you know i gotta ask you know is there anything else that you'd like to impart to our people that you may have not already yeah i guess uh, for those of us that aren't from you know from this region like you know and spinning out of this conversation of being curious is that 
there's a lot more <laughs> to Tucson and the border region um, that you've afforded yourself to discover. So get out there, get out there and um, be prepared to ask more questions and mm. not be afraid to be wrong, you know, to seek to understand and uh, tap into the history of this place and uh, think a lot of things will will make more sense and mm. don't shy away from the experiences that other people are also having you know in spaces that we share like there are real challenges and even though you might be having one experience here that doesn't mean that it's uh, everybody else's experience so uh you know just um tread softly and uh you know, and just like me, like, just kind of remind yourself that you're constantly treading upon, like, people's dreams. And especially when um, a person from a marginalized group or, you know, from a community that you're unfamiliar with comes to you with, like, advice or support, um, remember that you can and uh, you encourage you that you should uh, support that person by affording them access uh, and uh, adding just like one more brick to this like overall breakthrough <laughs> that is needed to see real change um, in places that are needed most. Mm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Final question for you, sis. How would you describe your flavor of soul coffee or your flavor of your soul to the world? <laughs> uh, just like I like my coffee, uh, black, no sweet, no cream. <laughs> Good for the soul. <laughs> you got to taste the cafe. <laughs> I agree. Oh, it's so good, y'all. Stephanie, how can people reach out to you? Uh, startupunidos.com. Uh, for storytelling, startupunidos.blog. Um, I am an open book. Reach out to me. You can email me, sb at startupunidos.com. Um, I'm always up to something, and I can be found all across the region. Um, I visit Phoenix regularly, but you can mostly find me these days in Tucson and about half my time in Nogales. Mm. So hit me up. Oh, man. Y'all do, do yourself a favor. Hit up, sis. Give <laughs> some love and... You know, be able to appreciate the the love bridge that she's really cultivated here in Tucson, Nogales, and South Arizona region. Thank you so much for tuning to this episode of Soul Coffee, y'all. And uh, for all my people that may be listening, I got new, we got some events for you to celebrate the end of this year. Uh, this episode should be dropping on a Monday, which means Thursday. I'm gonna have a mastering meditation class at Arizona Sands Club. Please feel free to shoot them or myself a DM on Instagram. This, this Saturday, I'm doing an event here called Providing for the Provider, which it feels good to do it again, y'all. But that's going to be at the L offices north. Please shoot me a DM uh, so I can send you the link to register via Calendly. I, I want to cap things at 60 people. We're already, at this time, we're recording. We're at 25% occupancy, which feels freaking amazing. And then last but not least, we got the Source Santa. So we got Source Santa Sunday, December 18th, which is going to go on, I believe, 11 to 2 p.m. at the Source Chiropractic. Come on in. Take a picture with, with uh, Santa. Santa's black, by the way. Did you know? 
All right, well, maybe now you know. Uh, bring a gift as we're also raising a toy drive or building for a toy drive with the Lappin Foundation as we want to get some some kids, you know, some good energy and some good gifts for Christmas, y'all. But more to come. Y'all loved. Y'all appreciate it. Until next time, peace.